welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. And I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Camden. This mm-hmm. podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. And we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither are our D&D games. This episode is brought to you by our generous Patreon donors. If you don't know, Patreon is a membership platform for creators to build relationships with their most loyal of fans known as patrons. It is a tier-based reward system that allows you to support your favorite creators for as little as $1 a month. Um, In exchange, you are offered exclusive content based on the tier you select. We have a plethora of content. The most popular one is the $3 tier where you can watch and enjoy our show live. Definitely check that out. If you think our show is worth at least $1 a month, please come on. Uh, sign up for one dollar and join our Discord channel and talk with the uh, a few of us and poke around and all that jazz. Join our community. If Patreon doesn't interest you or you want to support the show more, uh, Brandon does full body art for twenty dollars and lo- shoulder line art for eight dollars. Those are very reasonable price. If you really like the anime style art, he's got beautiful art. You can check out some samples over at our Facebook page and our photo album. Yeah. So. Uh, before we get into the show, we really like to start the show off on a high note, and we do that by giving away fat loots. If you don't know, every episode we give away three uh, adventures, compliments of our sponsors. Our first adventure is compliments of Goblin Stone. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Camden, who's our winner today? Our winner today is Connor.Mowers. Congratulations to Connor Mowers. If you enjoy the adventure, please head on over to goblinstone.com. Let him know what you think. Leave him a review. Let him know what you like, what you didn't like, and help him improve his product. And say thank you for sponsoring the show and giving away fat loots. Thanks for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. That's right. Your roles are like a duelist without any prowess. <laughs> we have a really great show for you guys today. We got a question from uh, listener Carl B. Our main topic today is our Midgard Heroes Handbook. We're going to be doing our class analysis on the Rogue Duelist. Um, and, of course, we close out our show with our honor tips and tricks where we bring you new and reusable material uh, for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Woo! But before all that, we like to talk a little bit about what's going on in our realms. Camden, what's going on in your realm? We had a, a brunch session uh, with uh, the, the campaign that my roommate Sam runs. Um, brunch sessions are hugely underrated. It's awesome because you you wake up, you get to start your day with D&D, everyone's fresh. You're not going until the wee hours of the morning when everyone gets tired and you feel like you have to end the session because people are just falling asleep. It was really it was really fun. Uh, Sam puts a ton of ton of work into the campaign. It's 100% homebrew and he puts a lot of time into it, so it's been a very enjoyable campaign. That sounds really fun and I you know honestly, I don't know why I always have it at night i just most people work i guess but i guess i can move it to a weekend and i'm yeah. technically asleep in the day so yeah yeah for sure but if uh if if you have 
uh, everyone free like during the day, during one day in the week. It doesn't have to be like your regular thing, mm-hmm. but um, it's awesome. Very refreshing. Brandon, what's going on in your yes, realm? Uh, it's not too much. It's still working. Got yesterday off, so I did some commissions last night. I ordered more Rubik's Cubes because I'm a fucking nerd. <laughs> nerd! Nerd! Yeah, I just ordered a 7x7. Seven seven. It's a little bigger than that one. Don't you got a, like a contest or something coming up? Yes, I have a competition coming up in October. That sounds exciting. Yeah, I'm not going to... What, what is the qualifying <laughs> like time? Uh, for the 3x3, three three, there's a time limit of 10 minutes. I solve it in about 25 seconds. That's my average. But I go to the WCA's website, the people who handle everything, and it's actually got all the members who are going to be competing there and people who have been there before. They have stats, so you can like click on their name. It shows what they are. There's like some 10-year-old over there that solves it in less than 10 seconds. Jeez. So I'm like, well, I'm not coming in first or 20th. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. That so, sounds exciting. Ian, what about your realm? Well, I don't have, not too much. Just flip back to the midnight shift at work. So that was definitely kind of a nice change of pace, except for that one day where I was an idiot. Just that one day? God damn it. Well, a coworker of mine who, that comes in at 3 a.m. asked if we could switch shifts so he could get, get a head start on his weekend. And so he could meet with his dad sooner. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. But then I came in the next day and I started working with, with the reporter he was assigned to normally. And the reporter was like, he didn't tell you what he was doing today, did he? No. Why? Well, short version, the uh, Ally Challenge was in, is in Grand Blank right now, uh-huh. which is the first time the PGA has come to Michigan in about nine years. Yeah. Short version, I worked a 12-hour shift. And uh, I was up since 7 p.m. the day before. Wow. Ugh. But on some later notes, though, I did watch all of season two of Iron Fist, which was way better than season one. Not a high bar to jump over, though. And <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure you could trip and fall over that bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I also got started on The, the Dragon Prince, which was um, another a- animated show on Netflix. And it's from the same creators as Avatar The Last Airbender, so. Ooh, I'll have to check that out. Now, I do want you ahead of time, though. For some strange reason, they picked a lower frame rate for their, for, for their animation, which gave it, gives it a jerky appearance. Oh, no. And they even said, well, it was a design choice that we went with because we're trying to make it 2- 3D art animation look like 2D animation. And it was like, it doesn't work. It looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And what even made me face palm was like, yeah, we didn't get rid- a lot of feedback until it was basically done. And nobody told us it looks stupid before them. Like, you may you can't tell but yourselves again like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a new show on Netflix I'm wanting to check out too. It's made by uh, Matt Groening. He did The Simpsons and Futurama. Oh, uh, Disenchantment. Disenchantment. Yeah, that. It, I don't have Netflix right now, so it did take a few episodes to pick up, but it did pick up. Just uh, I'd let you borrow mine, but I'm not using my own. So same here. I'm kind of uh, <laughs> using my dad's. I saw a pie chart somewhere that said like only forty forty two percent of people that have Netflix don't have their own account. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, what's going on in your realms, dudes? After how many, how long has the PlayStation 4 been out? A while. And the PlayStation 3. Two oh. years. I finally got a PlayStation 4. Um, that new Spider-Man came, game came out, and I'm like, I gotta have it. Um, the, the PS4 came out in November of 2013. Yeah. So, yeah. Damn. So, and I didn't own a PS3 either, so I finally took the plunge nearly at the end of this thing's life, and I got, a play, I got the limited edition Spider-Man one. It looks gorgeous. But, uh, and I'm loving the game. If you have not tried it or you've not played it and you, you, you want an amazing game, you got to get the Spider Man. Not only playing as Spider Man graceful, and Brandon can probably attest to that, he played it for a few minutes. Oh my um, God. But playing as Peter Parker is fun. They like integrated like these circuitry puzzle type things and these mix of like, you know, trying to identify chemicals and stuff that are basically complex puzzles that I just, I absolutely fell in love with. And I'm enjoying it very much. 
The hardest part, I spent an hour trying to come up with a name for my PlayStation Network. I finally settled on something. If it's a pun, I quit. Total Dumas. I'm still surprised you go. Fast. It's a bit of a pun. It's tech, that's like a play on words. Play on words. Yeah. Yeah. It's a play on words. Yeah. I'm, Total I'm Dumas. Still, I'm actually surprised you didn't go with your usual username. Or was it taken? Dude, I spent a half hour trying to come up with variations of my normal, either noob or, or Zell or nobody, and they're all taken. They were all taken. I wasn't gonna put numbers in my name, so why? Because that's stupid. It's tacky. That's something I'll It is tacky. Too. He's a grown ass man. Fuck yeah, you tell him. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with alphanumeric usernames. But yeah, I ended up going with totally doom Oz. But when I say it fast, it's total dumbass, basically. Yeah, because I'm stupid like that. Um, yeah, uh, they've added clans to Rocket League now. Oh, snap. Yeah. We should play some Rocket League. Side I'm th- gold one and duels, so... You we- are not. Yeah, I am. You, you are not. Don't to- lie to me, I'm motherfucker. Not lying. You're not You need gold, to drop nothing. in so you can get the fuck up there. Uh, anyways, so that's what I've been doing, and I've been having a blast. I, got, I took vacation day- time tomorrow and Tuesday to get some shit done, and guess what I'm going to do all morning? Spider-Man. Yes. Spider-Man. Well, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> just buy Spider-Man. I also bought Ratchet & Clank, which was one of my favorite games on the PlayStation. Uh, when I had the PS2, and they remade it, so I'm excited to play that too. Did you ever watch the movie? No, I have not. I heard that's pretty meh. It's meh. It, Which is weird that, because the, the 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 game's writing is amazing. But if the movie was not made by the same. Yeah, and that's writers. part of the problem. That'll do it for in the realm. Brandon, if they like to visit other realms, how can they do so? Oh, they can go to our website at www.critacademy.com, and we have a special button to Audible. Where you can go there, and when you sign up with that, with us, you can get a free book and a 30-day free trial. Definitely check that out. I personally subscribe to Audible, and I listen to far more books, and I'm becoming more edumacated because of it. <laughs> um, mostly because not really edumacated. A lot of inspiration from Aragon series right now, though. We'll move on to the no Wheel more. of Time series next. No more, no more misunderestimating. Justin's vocabulary. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to our Let's Talk About Blink segment, we have a question from Carl B. Brandon, would you like to take that? Carl B. How do you counteract a group who appear to be spamming the light spell into the eyes of all all their big enemies? Is this even possible? Played a little test dungeon last night, as I haven't DM'd for years, so it was free-flowing and easy, but they'll start using this technique for the main adventure if they can. For starters, no. Why? Because that's not how the spell works. <laughs> solar flare! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking solar flare! Fucking Krillin. Camden, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, so part of, the, part of the question stipulates that it, it's a group that spams light into the eyes of all their big enemies. Yes, that's the way I take it. So I, I guess as a DM to counteract that, give them a creature that is blind. No. Oh, snap. <laughs> or that doesn't need light to move around, you know? Like um, things with uh, blind sight or true sense, things like that. But yeah. then wouldn't they just start spamming Thunder, thunder Wave? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking make them go deaf? <laughs> well, they only get it a certain amount of, certain amount of times. Right, I'm right. Say, well, uh, the light spell, is that a cantrip? Or yes, is that it's actual? a cantrip. Well, that's not bullshit. It just says, all light really says is you just like light up a dark area. That's it. It says nothing about blinding people with it. So Okay, actually, so in the... Go ahead, Cam. It does not say anything about giving any weaknesses to enemies, to, so, and so on and so forth. Okay. Let's, what, what do you think, Camden? A lot of people play this wrong. A lot of people play light as dancing lights. Dancing lights 
is where you create light out of nowhere. It's three or four small little balls of yeah. light, and you can move them within, it's like a 60-foot radius or something. The light spell, you actually have to cast on an object. Yes. So if they're spamming it into the eyes of their of big guys they they would need to they would need to cast it on something so i would i would revisit the text of the spell itself um revisit the text of the spell make sure that you are making sure that they're using the spell correctly um and then just engineer enemies that that would not be affected by that um what i would say to that is as a dm i would change the way you're having it function um the spell innately doesn't allow you to blind the enemy what you could instead do is flavor it that the flash of light blinds them for an instant, leaving an opening so an enemy, an ally could get advantage and just hit, use the help action rules, huh. right? Because technically, they can take the help action. There's no real restriction on how the help action works. So if you've got a coin in the palm of your hand and you cast light on it in their eyes, just grant them the help action. Um, you're not going outside of the rules of the game, um, trying to give a feature like light that doesn't have any of those abilities but still granting some benefits and i do stress light does not do any of that no the, the only thing it says that about another creature on ian's phone here is if you try to cast light spell on an object that a creature is holding they have to do a deck save to uh avoid it avoid it yeah um the other thing i'd like to point out so do you so do you guys agree that doing a, uh substituting the help action and flavoring it as the light would be a uh, a sufficient uh, replacement for imposing blind on a cantrip or creating using blind uh, on an enemy. I see it more as a, a distraction than actually blinding somebody. And that, that's sure. kind of where I was going. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You, the, you flash the light in their eyes for an instant. It creates enough of a distraction, leaving an opening for an ally. You grant them the help action as the DM. That's how I would rule it because that's a creative use of a function that they have that you can fit within the bounds of a rule that they should be able to do anyway. I see it more of a, as a, wait, why is my sword something glowing? It's not being blinded by it. It's like, what the? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it depends. Now, the last thing I want to touch on is if they insist on wanting to do it that way, there is a cleric domain, the domain of light, that allows you as a reaction, I think it's called warding flare, uh, that allows you to do this very thing. Warding flare, warding flame, something like that. Something like that. I think it's yeah. warding, warding flare. But what do you guys, Camden, what do you think about that? Lovely domain. Um, I agree. I like, I like reflavoring help with that since nothing about the spell explicitly states that it's, it's a powerful enough light to blind you. Right. It's, just, it's, it's essentially like a high-powered torch. Yep. Um, I, I like taking the help action um, just for like a brief period of time. You know, whoever takes an attack on it next, that advantage. Yeah. Um, I like that solution. And, and that can go for a lot of things. If your players try to do something that isn't explicitly what it's designed for, find a current action that they would already be able to do that you can somehow just reflavor it. You know, if, 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 I, if I'm the player and I want to use the light to blind him so he trips and falls, okay, reflavor the shove action. Give me, I don't, give me a strength check anyway, you know? Something along those lines. There's a lot you can do with that. The help action is the most versatile uh, action, in my opinion, because there's no limit on how you can gain that advantage for your ally, right? Right. So as a DM, if you're listening to this, I would definitely always try to look at that as an option when a player brings something to you and wants an ability to do something other than it's supposed to. Right. Um, all the, the point, all I was trying to say, though, was raw, that's not how lit works. I, and I agree 100%. Yeah. There's, I don't think there's any uh, uh, disagreement on how that functions raw. Yeah. But I think we gave you a few uh, options there, Carl. 
That'll do it uh, for that segment. Uh, moving on to our main topic. Do we ever decide if it was the meat no, and potatoes? No, just stop. Or if we're, it was we're the, done with the uh, meat and potatoes sauce. bullshit. It, it's, it's main topic, UTT. Main topic, no one listens to. <laughs> <laughs> moving on to our main topic, we have the Midgard. We are making our way through some of the Midgard Heroes Handbook. We are doing a class analysis on the rogue archetype, the duelist, in the Midgard Heroes Handbook. If you don't know, Midgard Heroes is Cobalt Press's uh, Midgard campaign setting, which is a dark world of deep met. Brandon, would you do that in a really stellar voice for me, like a nice deep rumbly voice? Cobalt Press. <laughs> Midgard campaign setting is a dark world of deep magic started by Wolfgang Bauer and fleshed out by his team. It's flavored with Central European myth and folklore from the frozen northern lands to its wild steppes. Dark Forest and Craggy Mountains. For those of you who don't know, um, this the Midgard Heroes Handbook has over 200 pages, in, in my opinion, of, of awesome, including 11 new races in addition to variations of existing races. They have 40 different subclass choices. Oh my! New feats, <laughs> new backgrounds, new feats spells, and backgrounds, weapon options, magic items, and monsters. They got so much content in the, the in these these pages. It, it just blows my mind. Wow, what a book! Do they have new shoes to go with those feats? Oh my god. Sweet. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's bad. Um, I swear to god I'm getting a tumor from all these puns. We re- highly recommend you check out this book. You can find it at coldcoldballpress.com or we'll have a link uh, in our show notes. Uh, also while this when this episode these episodes air, it'll also be the tool uh, on our website. You can just click the tools page and find a link that'll direct you to their sales area. This is amazing content, so thank you, Wolfgang Bauer, allowing us to, to work our way through some of the, uh, the classes in our class analysis. Uh, I'm really excited. We only have This one's kind of long, so we only had time to do one for the Rogue, and it is the Duelist. The Roguish Duelist is a lightly armored combatant who favors quick, precise attacks with a light weapon in each hand. The Duelist is murderously effective when fighting one-on-one. The quick, resourceful, and precise Duelist may look like an artist, but more often... He or she is just another killer for hire, but one with a dashing and lethal sense of style. <laughs> dashing. That was nice. Dashing. That was really good. <laughs> we think of Rick and Morty. You're, oh boy, here I go killing again. <laughs> <laughs> so as a reminder, this is an archetype of the rogue. So once you acquire this archetype or you choose this archetype at third level, you get access to prowess. You learn techniques that are fueled by a special reserve of strength called prowess. Man, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Is that like, does that sound familiar to anybody? Like a, a battle master? Yeah. It's kind of what that reminds me of. <laughs> it's the rogue version of the battle master is what it boils down to. Yeah. But I like uh, a battle master, so it's okay. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> um, so, Brandon, why don't you tell us about prowess? Prowess? It's, it's where you get down low in the grass and you sneak up on someone. <laughs> that's prowling. But, yeah, that, no, it's not the same thing. Yeah. Not whatever. to be confused with the prowler, which often is somebody who's somewhere they shouldn't be. <laughs> well, maybe that's the point. So a creeper. <laughs> To the creep. Oh. You have an amount of prowess equal to your proficiency bonus times two. To spend prowess, you must be wielding a finesse weapon in one hand and have either nothing or a dagger in your other hand. You can spend prowess once per turn. You regain all spent prowess when you finish a short or long rest. Now, uh, Sam in the notes actually points out this is closer to key points. Sim- more similar to the monk's key points than maybe the battle master. Yeah. Because the battle master has a like a, a specific number of dice that dice that kind of increase at a specific level, so it is a little different. Um, but I think that's pretty cool. Also at third level, uh, with your new pool of uh, prowess, you learn three techniques of your choice from those described below. 
You can use only one technique per attack, and you learn one additional technique of your choice at 9th, 13th, and 17th levels. Each time you learn a new technique, you can also replace one technique you know with a new one. Now that sounds like the Battlemaster. It's like a hybrid between like key points and Battlemaster stuff. Eh, well, like the same thing with evocations. Okay. Saving thrills. Oh my god. <laughs> Some of your techniques requires you to target a saving throw to resist an effect. The saving throw DC is 8, plus your proficiency bonus, plus your dexterity modifier. That's really good. So overall, this is sounding pretty cool. You're, you're expending these, these special dice to execute special maneuvers, which I'm a big fan of. I love the Battlemaster because I feel like I've got so much versatility in what I want to do. While normally if I'm a fighter, I can choose to try to disarm an enemy. I can choose to try to grapple them. Having features that allow me to do that in addition to making an attack or, or parrying a blow is always something that's really intrigued me. Because while I know I have a lot of those options, to be able to have them put in front of me in addition to like my normal actions is always uh, really, really fun. Um, you know, it's funny. Every time I hear the word grapple, I think of Jax from Mortal Kombat 2. <laughs> he just grabs you and goes, gotcha! <laughs> <laughs> <It> throws you <laughs> and punches you in the nose. <laughs> oh, uh, that that's funny. The, the one of the prowess requirements is is finesse weapons, um, and he says it feels like it weapon it limits the weapons considerably. Um, yeah, which I think is kind of the point. Is if you didn't get enough cool stuff at third level, in addition to your prowess, you gain access access to dancing blade. Dancing uh, blade. <laughs> you can wield a rapier as a light weapon, provided you have nothing heavier than a light weapon in your other hand. That's interesting because this allows you to do wield with a rapier. Yeah, isn't a rapier finesse? It yeah. is, but it's not light. Mm -hmm. Right. So now what I'm seeing is a rapier in one hand and a dagger in another hand. Which is what a lot of duelists used to do, so that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and, and I agree. So I really like the flavor that they're going with this. Um, I'm confused by that. Confused it, what, by what's, what? there, what's there between a finesse and a light weapon? One's Other light and one's not. And you can does, have does a finesse weapon, and you can have a light weapon. You can also have a light finesse weapon, right? Yeah, so finesse, all finesse does is allows you to use your dex as your ability instead of your strength for the weapon. Yes. Yeah. Oh, light! Since is a since a rapier, a rapier is not light. It doesn't allow you two attacks. You mean dual wield, right? Unless you huh. take a feat. So I, was look, I was looking at the, unless you have a feat, right? I was looking at prowess between mm -hmm. that and dancing blade. Uh, the next feature is called strike first, strike last. Uh, you take this at ninth level, and your reflexes are honed to a razor's edge, granting you advantage on initiative checks. That's awesome. Additionally, if you're surprised, you can take the attack action on your first turn by spending one prowess point. That's fantastic. I love that. That's a good deal. So, like, you would go first in the order by spending one prowess point, or...? Yeah, that's how I think it's meant to, what it's meant to say. Well, normally when you're surprised, it's a condition, so the initiative order still goes... But those that are surprised get bypassed. So you would still go on your normal initiative order. But if you've got advantage, it's likely you're at the top even if you're surprised. So this allows you to act even if you are surprised and still be able to do something, which I think is fantastic. Because before, I think you needed to take a feat for that, right? Like alert or something. And you hated my swashbuckler. Yeah, I didn't, well, I didn't hate it, but it, I found it inconvenient sometimes as the DM. <laughs> From like a flavor standpoint, it talks about your flexes are honed uh, to Razor's Edge. I assume that means as soon as combat happens, even though you're surprised, you have a quick draw feature, right? You can draw your weapons really quickly and be ready for combat faster than somebody that says, 
like if somebody was to jump out and say boo and startle me, you know. Instead, as I'm startled, I fucking pull out my dagger and stab you. <laughs> I mean, how does that how does that sound to you guys? <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> like from from a from a role play perspective, how do we how do we explain this feature? I mean, it talks about it's being honed to a rager's edge, but does that just pure reflexes, or is it does thought go through their brain that they have time to react, or is it? I just think of muscle memory. That, that, that's, that's what that's, I was. That's okay. the best way. Yes, it, it makes me I think agree. of uh, old, old videos on, on the internet a long time ago. Some ladies uh, uh, interviewing a baseball player, mm-hmm. and a baseball comes flying out from the field, and he just turns around and catches it because someone said heads up. But in the time that he turns around, it, it's like a split second. It's like, oh, there it is, and he grabs it, and it's like right before it. So he had no time to think. Yeah, it was so, just muscle memory. So I think muscle memory is a really good example of what this feature does. Uh, do you agree with that, Camden? Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking the um, I'm thinking of like kind of a blind sense type deal um, with a lot of different creatures in in the D and D universe. Um, what also comes to mind, I don't know why, is uh, the finale of the Last Airbender when he's fighting the fire lord and he feels the fire lord coming out to him it's through like it's through the the ground vibrations that Toph taught him how to do Mm -hmm. but like he (laughs) senses it coming and his foot just and catches him just before it hits him um but i i would say that this is this is all muscle memory since this is a highly trained fighter you know virtuoso at 13th level choose two skills from the following list Acrobatics, athletics, deception, history, intimidation, persuasion, sleight of hand. You gain proficiency in the chosen skills, or add double your proficiency bonus if you are already proficient. That's really cool. Virtuoso. Virtuoso. Grazie. You're already a rogue. You're mm-hmm. already like the second most skill monkey class, other than the bard. <laughs> skill monkey. Yep. And now you get, and now you get more shit. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and <laughs> you become a skill gorilla. yeah exactly um i like i like stuff like this because i'm big into skills (laughs) skill checks and skill challenges and and getting the most out of abilities and features that are not just combat related and the fact that you can choose to not only pick up two new skills in proficiency or double your proficiency that's that's the expertise feature right you're adding that to giving you more expertise which is one of the core features of the rogue class. So to me, that's awesome, especially when you get to higher levels and that double proficiency becomes very, <laughs> uh, very a big deal. You know, I got a, uh, my buddy Luke, when we play, he likes to run characters who have a very high, like, uh, deception because he likes to lie. He's really good at it. Having deception <laughs> with, like, fucking double proficiency, it's like, yes, um, I want you to know that uh, I have been given permission to enter your castle. Uh, by your king. Uh, Bullshit. He doesn't ever do that. Well, if you'll see here, um, this letter that is written is directly from him and signed and signed and and dated. And it also says that if you do not let me in, you'll die. He'll kill you. He'll have you hanged. I got. I'm just like fuck. I got permit. Lucas, he's he's such a chaster. Oh, that's a good one. The way he plays, it's just like the last game we played when he grabbed that ruby and just disappeared yeah i was like where'd he go he's like ah. yeah i mean what anyway so um so i really like this ability next up we have deep reserves <laughs> starting at 17th level when you roll initiative and you have no prowess none re- remaining you gain two so this ensures that you can go into every battle with with, some. with something even even if you've expended it all which is pretty cool so you always have something so you don't have nothing 
So do you think this is, so it says deep reserve, is that just, just, oh, okay, yeah, you know what, I'm able to take a deep breath, you know, kind of, what is that, what is that thing fucking, uh, what's his name does, the, uh, the, the, the new Darth Vader guy. When Kylo he's, Ren? Yeah, when he's, get, Ren. when he's getting his ass kicked by, <laughs> what's her name, Ray. um, he just hits himself and then he gets a deep well of stamina or something, because now he can keep fighting after kicking his own ass, that's kind of what this reminds me of. Well, he's basically inflicting pain on his wound here he had to keep his adrenaline going, this pressure yeah. was going on there. Don't that's exactly what I was about to say. Don't yeah. fucking rationalize shit like that, make me sound yeah. like a fool. Now on to the, the, the special sauce of this build, you know, we talked about all these cool features that you get. But what really makes the, the class interesting is all the different techniques you get to choose from. Starting at third level, you, what does it say? You get, you get access to, to three of these, and then you gain more as you level up. Pretty much. Camden, would you like to take the first one? Absolutely. The, the first technique on the list, it looks like they're uh, arranged alphabetically. First on the list is clinch. Immediately after you hit with a finesse weapon, you can spend two prowess to automatically grapple the creature you hit. Normal size and reach restrictions apply. Select one of the creature's attack actions. For as long as the grapple persists, the creature has disadvantage with that attack. You can maintain this grapple even if you hold a dagger in your offhand. Ooh, I got your nose. Yes. I want to I want to <laughs> say something really quick cuz this is awesome for one reason and that is because rogues typically are not high strength. No. Grappling is an athletics check. Mm -hmm. Athletics is strength-based. To have a rogue where I've, I've always wanted a rogue build where you can, be, you can be able to grapple people without being particularly strong. Right. Being able to act with the deafness of your hands and your reflexes. This is really cool. And I'd like to point out, Sam points out that he, seen, he mentions that he thinks this seems kind of powerful. He, he even asks, how could the creature escape this grapple? Easily. Um, <laughs> first, you have to expend the, the prowess points to do it. Now, yes, you automatically succeed. And yes, it imposes disadvantage on uh, a, attack. a attack. But if you think about it, grapple is still a contested strength check. That You're going to have to roll strength if you're a rogue to maintain this. Most cases a strong monster is going to break out on the first one. But that being said, I still think this is worth it because of two things. First, you still get to attack with your weapons, right? You get to hold this creature while you have your weapons. That's, that's amazing. Um, in addition to that, anytime you can stop an enemy from making even just one attack against you or your allies, that's that a is win. a huge, <laughs> huge win because you're stopping the incoming damage uh, to your party. That's better than any heal spell in my opinion. So, so I, I love this. So I guess, how do you envision them grappling somebody? Um, because once again, in this, in fifth edition grapple, just as movement restriction, how do you, how do you envision this grapple working, um, while they're holding weapons? I got a really good example, but I want to hear what you guys have to say. Is your example Black Widow? Um, no, but that's a really good one. Why don't you tell us about cool. it? I got you now. That's what, I got that's what I was. That's what I was thinking. Because <laughs> she's uh, she's not uh, not the stereotypical like powerhouse strong no superhero by any means. But she knows how to, for instance, like throw her body weight around mm -hmm. and be able to grapple people. And you know she's able to you know disarm one guy, knock him out, and then like flip over the other guy and grapple him with her legs while still having shit in her hands. Yep. That's, that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's kind of like how some people say, it's not how hard you throw the punch as much as do you know how to throw a punch. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's actually a really great example. Um, did you guys have anything else to add to that? Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for adding to the conversation. Yeah, I can't um, think of how you can grapple someone when you're holding two weapons. Um, so, yes, I was going to say, putting your blades up to their neck. 
Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the most traditional thing I could think about. Darks too. Um, and or holding one blade to their neck and shoving a dagger in their side, right? That work. You're technically able to still, you know, do some attacking. It may not be the traditional style, but being able to hold a dagger to somebody's neck and shove them with their the the the, the, the rapier or the other way around is a very effective way to grapple. Um, it looks like uh, Sam is asking about ma- where does it say maintaining a grapple. The default condition of being grappled is you're fucking grappled. And when you follow the grapple rules, <laughs> the only way out of a grapple is to use a strength check if the person doesn't let you go. Yeah. Right? Or some other means. Strength of, or acrobatics uh, for the defender. Yeah. So the defender gets to choose acrobatics or strength, but acrobatics or athletics are gonna be technical, but yeah. Yeah, and, and and if it's a if it's a more acrobatics based character and they chose that, you still have as a, as an acrobat's build or as a dex build, you still have a high chance of success. But well, also it, keep in mind uh, the attacker always uses athletics though to maintain grapples. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. You know what? You're right. You're you're absolutely right. I I forgot that for a second. So you have force to use it, but they can choose, the defender can choose either way. Yeah. Um, and because of that, once you're grappled, you're in that condition until you choose to break it. Now, nothing says you have to, right? You can choose to say, you know, grappled, but either way, I really think this is awesome. Deep Slice. When you inflict damage with a finesse weapon, you can spend one prowess to deal a deep, bleeding wound. At the start of its turn, the bleeding creature must make a successful constitution saving throw, or take three 1d6 piercing damage. On a successful save, the effect ends. The creature or its adjacent ally can end the effect by spending an action to use a healer's kit or to make a successful wisdom medicine. Check against your technique. Save. DC. It makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. Even if you don't understand it, we do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Any amount of healing also ends the effect. A deep slice has no effect against constructs and undead. Camden gave such a, a golden response last time. What do you... How do you see this functioning from a flavor standpoint, and is there anything mechanically about it that interests you? Uh, mechanically, yeah. I like the incorporation of medicine into this because it's with this, it's implied that your training as a duelist includes some education in anatomy of living things That's and where to strike things so that they bleed more. Is <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the flavor behind this? Um, I I like it a lot. It, like mechanically, it makes sense yeah uh, honestly um for me i don't see enough effects that cause there is there any effects in the the play php or even the, the monster manual that is a bleed effect yep there is well i mean like yes is, i'm agreeing with you yeah i can't think of anything offhand yeah. so this is something that was very present in fourth edition that i really liked yep um of course tracking all that shit sucks so i'm kind of glad it's gone but um this is one of the few effects that does that the other thing is the fact that it includes the healer's kick the healer's kit is given love, and anytime you give love to that shit that isn't being used is awesome, right? Yep. Because right now the healer kit generally has one use, out of combat, bandage somebody. Um, I really enjoy this one. It's very simple, and I want to give this to some bad guys. I really do. I want to bleed my uh, players dry. Next step in the duelist's kit is disarming parry. When you are missed by a melee attack, you can spend one Prowess as a reaction to force the attacker to make a strength saving throw. If it fails, the attacker drops the weapon it attacked with. And if you have a free hand, you can catch the weapon with a successful DC 10 dexterity check. Otherwise, it lands 10 feet away from the attacker in a random direction. Okay, how many, how many movies have we seen of this action happen? A few. Has anybody wow. seen this happen in their D&D games? Not too often. Does anybody ever take the disarm action? No. Why? 
Well, sometimes your opponents have, have multiple weapons on the, their next turn. They're just going to whip something out anyway. Well, I... Th I <laughs> I think I think it's simpler in that just most players want to do a lot of damage, so they don't always think about the most strategic thing. This is becoming an option of part of your character build, which then makes it more of an expectation if you choose to take it. But the fact that you can attempt to catch the weapon is awesome. I got your sword. <laughs> because if you think about it, if it's <laughs> if it's the same type of weapon that the character can already dual wield, how awesome it is it to catch somebody's weapon and stab them with their own weapon? Even if you can't do wield, sneak attack them if it's a like a finesse weapon or something. If it meets the conditions, you can catch their weapon and kill them with their own shit. And I think that's glorious. What I think is cool about this is it gives us a lot of flavor to work with because every time you succeed at disarming, you can create some sort of flourish of how it flails in the air and you catch it behind your back when you're spinning and thrusting and shit like that. Parry, parry, thrust, thrust, go! <laughs> and I think that that adds a lot of flavor to the, to the combat. I like that the DC is a flat DC. And it's, it's static. I like that the DC is a lower level, so the higher you get, the more chance you have success. Oh, you could probably use this to get information from people, too. Oh, yeah? More of like a, like a threat? Fighting one, guy, one bad guy that's left, and you disarm him, and you take his weapon. And he's got five R players against him, and he has nothing. And he's like, okay, what are you going to do? <laughs> advantage on intimidation and persuasion. I'd give advantage on anything for some shit like that. That's really clever. I like that. That's, the good, that's a good one for taking a hostage. The next option you have is driving assault. When you take the attack action, you can spend two prowess and press your target back until the end of your turn. Each time you hit with a finesse weapon, the target must succeed on a deck saving throw or move five feet away from you. The target can be no more than one size category larger than you, and you can immediately advance into the space the target vacated if you wish without triggering the opportunity. Now, at first, when I first read this, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I thought, I was thinking back to uh, Princess Bride yep. and some other old ones where they, they're pushing the character back. If you get them to a cliff or a, at ledge, you can force them off the ledge. Yep. That's fantastic. I have actually one-shot bosses doing that. Well, I would give them a save to, to catch on the ledge, but I they can failed. definitely... <laughs> I definitely can see this being very... This reminds me of the very fancy... The, the classic fencing maneuvers, you know, where you, you're, you're lunging back and forth and chasing them as you go. I was stabbing them in the foot, <laughs> so they'd like dance backwards. Get back, get back, get back, get back. Uh, what do you guys think about this? It makes me think of Prod from Worms Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> I could knock him over the edge. What about oh, you? This is, a, this is another, another page taken out of the monk's part of the book. There's a, there's a mechanic in Way of the Open Hand that is exactly this. I love Way of the Open Hand. That's, cool. that's a strength check, though, isn't it? Uh, it is. This is a saving throw, so they are, so mm -hmm. they are different. Um, well, but it no. does this mechanically. It's very similar. Yeah, the yeah target uh, for the monk one has to make a strength save. Yeah. But yeah, very cool. I once again, I like that. I like that this flavor reminds me a hundred percent of a musketeer. Aha! Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it's a, it's a musketeer, and that I love musketeers. The the three musketeers of the comedy was amazing, and I love the story. <laughs> I say good, sir. <laughs> Your finesse is fantastic. <laughs> Not to match my own. Aha. Next on the list is uh, Effortless Steps. When you take the dash action, you can spend one prowess to ignore non-magical difficult terrain, and climbing does not cost extra movement until the end of your turn. You can spend one additional prowess to move through a single foe's space without triggering an opportunity attack from that creature. This is awesome. I would multi-class into this archetype just to get this feature. Being able to push through somebody's square... Like, I like grapplers, so push through somebody's square and then grapple and, like, shoulder throw them, like, over a fucking bridge or through a window. Yep. To the wall. 
the sweat drops onto my balls. God damn. <laughs> Joel says this is like Martian Manhunter. <laughs> uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this effort, effortless steps? I'm going to help you maneuver around and get, get into some better positioning, so that's always a good thing in my book. I love the fact that climbing doesn't cost extra movement. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this reminds me of like jumping like, you know, Jumping from a, a, a crate onto a cart onto, you know, the roof of a building with little or no effort. I know parkour. Hardcore parkour. Parkour parkour. As it says, effortless steps. Uh, damn it, what was the name of that show? The, the Last Disciple? What? I don't know. Yeah, Kenichi. Oh, oh yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, Kenichi, yeah. The, uh, the, the... The Last Disciple, final something. It's not that, I don't think it's that. Puss in Boots, as depicted in the Shrek movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. He'd be a duelist. <laughs> well, yeah, he's with by Antonio Banderas. Mm. Kenichi, the yeah. mighty, world's mightiest disciple, the mightiest disciple. Right, the bad guy is the 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 main villain, the big bad. Yeah, he's playing as like Romeo or something like that. But as he's dancing or moving around on stage, one of the masters notices his footsteps and is like, "Hey, that that's that's a martial arts type thing." That's what that made me think of. Yeah. Okay, yeah, like a a shuffling dance and effortless movement and stuff. That's pretty cool. The next technique is called the pummel punch. When you make an attack, you can spend two prowess to strike the target with a pommel of your weapon instead of the blade. This does 1d6 bludgeoning damage instead of the weapon's normal damage dice, and the target must make a successful constitution saving throw or be incapacitated until the end of the next turn. The target can be no more than one size category larger than you. Pommel punch! Yeah, this is you, like... You see this a, a lot in shows. Yeah, this is basically like uh, pistol whipping them with the... Yep. Right? Yep. <laughs> Except with a pistol, it's a, a, a weapon, right? Like bashing him in the side of the skull. I find it interesting that it's 1d6 damage uh, instead of the normal. So if I make an attack with my rapier and hit you with the pummel punch of my dagger, it ups my dagger's damage. It does, actually. Because I'm cracking your skull. It's crack some skulls. Conk. What do you think about this, Camden? I think this is pretty cool. Um, it definitely gives you know more of the flavor of like the experienced kind of scrappy fighter mm-hmm. um to to the rogue class that i feel like a lot of a lot of people could could use I mean, that that one's pretty straightforward i think it's pretty cool i like f- flavoring this as you know the pistol whip sucker punch type deal i wonder if you could use this as a surprise attack aha uh-huh. why wouldn't you uh, like, like, yeah. like you're, um, you're sitting there and you got your hand uh, on the hand, handle of your sword but it's on there in such a way that it doesn't look like you're gonna draw it okay and as your attacker comes up you say, oh. okay, I'm going to do a surprise attack or a ready in action so that when he comes up, I'm going to dodge and just go, pap, um, crack him in the chest. Uh, in the uh, plexus. <laughs> Kenshin Himura from uh, the Roroni Kenshin anime does that a lot, yep. where his weapon is sheathed all the time, and I can think of a, uh, a couple instances where he just like beat him with the end of it without even drawing his blade. <laughs> like, or he drew it like it extended from his sheath and then punched him in the gut and then pulled it down. I think one guy ended up in a ceiling once. Yeah. He just hit him and he went right into the ceiling. The one thing I do find that's interesting, did anybody notice what the, the side effect of failing the constitution save was? Incapacitation. Yeah, you get knocked out. Yeah, that's huge. That's, that's, a, that's a big deal for just a part of your attack, don't you think? Yep. I mean, to me, that... And now it's only until... The end of its next turn, which means you're stopping it from getting any actions if it fails its con save. Um, this this kind of reminds me of some of the abilities the monk has. Doesn't the monk have an ability uh, that stuns the stunning palm or something? Stun- stunning fist. Stunning, stunning fist. Stunning blow, something like that. Yeah, it, this kind of reminds me of that. I love that it's incapacitating in the target um, for a turn because you're essentially got an ability now that can take a target out for a round. And once again, I'll come back to 
anytime you can stop something from attacking or successfully attacking is better than any heal spell. So I would totally love this as a healer build. <laughs> Just to pummel the shit out of everything. <laughs> Ian, would you like to take the next one? The next one is Rapid Strikes. If you make a second attack with a light weapon in your offhand, you can spend one prowess to add your ability bonus to this attack's damage roll. Aha! What do you guys think about that? More damage is more damage. Yeah, essentially it's giving them two weapon fighting, if I'm not mistaken. For, for this, this attack, anyway. Right. Yep. And it only costs one prowess point, so... Ability bonus. Does your, that mean modifier? Yeah, your yeah. offhand, when you do wield, your offhand doesn't get the modifier damage. Oh. Uh, Two-weapon fighting is a fighter and a ranger feature that you can get, but now you can acquire some of the, that extra damage without multi-classing, which I think is pretty good. Um, what do you think, Camden? Uh, I think that's wonderful. I think Ian said it, an opportunity for more damage, getting closer to that act the, the actual dual-wielding feel, which is awesome. Stick and move. After you attack with a finesse weapon, you can spend two prowess as a bonus action to move half your speed. This movement does, does not provoke opportunity attacks. That sounds like a feat. Or a class ability. Is it a class ability? Depends. I know the mo it's something very similar to the mobile feat. So basically, you're getting a nice, good, clean blow, and then while they're recovering, you're dashing away. Do, 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 oh, do. This, this, this goes great with the, the, the pummel punch. Fucking punch him in the gut and run away! Run away! Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Joe says bad jokes will make the queen angry. Yeah. Oh, dude, you have no idea how many yelling at. Like, I'll be listening to the show when we're driving around. You're like, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anything's got her quite as bad as when I had to explain to her what a con conquest paladin was. Yeah. Uh, she's like, why are you comparing me to a conquest paladin? What is it? I'm like, I love you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So tagging strike. This one's interesting. When you hit a creature with a finesse weapon, you can spend two prowess to impair your target by cutting a strap, injuring a joint, or dealing some other distracting blow. The target must make a, uh, a successful constitution save or have disadvantage on the first attack or ability check uh, it makes during its turn. The effect ends when the creature makes a saving throw successfully or spends an action to end it, readjusting its gear, regaining its balance, etc. Before I uh, give my two cents on this, it looks like Sam wants to add his two copper. Uh, he likes this mechanic. He feels that this is often approached within roleplay or flavor, but there's no mechanics to back it up uh, definitively, often leaving the DM to think of something worthwhile, but not game-breaking. I'm going to come back to the help action. But what do you guys think about this? Well, it hinders an enemy, which is good for your party. Which is awesome. Okay. I like that in the description, it kind of gives you examples of what you would do. And I meant a dick. I can't believe they all kicked you in the dick. Camden, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I also like that it gives you examples of, of what could happen. I like that this is this is kind of bard flavored in that um, this gives a lot of opportunity for you to flavor this strike as you'd like, mm -hmm. um, and you can you can do any array of funny distracting things. Um, this allows for a lot of opportunity for role play. Um, this is really cool. I like it. So let me ask you guys something. I I agree 100 percent with what you just said. Why would you take this one over pummel punch? Because this one, yeah, it imposes disadvantage, but the other one incapacitates them. That means advantage on all attacks, right? They're incapacitated. It just means they can't take any actions. Okay, well, wouldn't you fall down, though, and fall prone if you're unconscious? Unconscious, yes, but that's not what incapacitate does. Oh, okay, good point. I thought that's what it was. Yeah. Once you knock someone out. 
I mean, I, I personally, I don't know that I would ever take this over the pummel punch, though. Personally, which is fair. What do you, what do you, what do you guys think? Yeah, sir. The only thing I can think of with the pummel punch is getting, you know, that d6 instead of a d4 if you're wielding daggers. Um, other, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah, because as Sam pointed out, all incapacitate means no spells, no actions or reactions. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I guess it's not the same as unconscious. So I guess you wouldn't necessarily fall prone. You know, being punched in the face can incapacitate you, but not necessarily cause you cause you to fall down prone. So yeah, it's the damage and pommel punch only lasts a turn. With tagging strike, it lasts until they make a success the, that successful Constitution save. Wow. It keeps going until they make the save. It keeps going and going. And they have to use an action to end the effects. Okay, I can see so that. Then. The, All that's right, the that's really cool. Okay, I get it. I got you. That's a really cool ability. Well, think of this way too. Uh... Tagging strike. Dude, tag your tag somebody's belt. <laughs> no, disadvantage on the first attack roll or ability check it makes during its turn. Yeah, for so, each subsequent turn until yeah. they make the successful constitution save. What if you were to use tagging strike and then use pommel punch? Because they have to make a uh, save against that. That'd be nuts. I don't, I don't think it functions that way. It says the target must make a, a successful con constitution saving throw. Or, that, assuming that or, that means they fail, they have disadvantage on their first attack or ability check. It makes during its turn. It doesn't say they can again make the saving throw at the end of their turn. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. it does. It says the effect ends when the creature makes a saving throw or spends an action to end it. Yeah, but I think what I think what Brandon is saying is that the disadvantage only counts for actions that it takes on its turn. The Constitution save, if you were to pommel punch it mm -hmm. afterwards, would be its reaction, which wouldn't necessarily have advantage, technically speaking. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's still it's still you know. Yeah, I mean, I still like it. Yeah, I love that this one has so much flavor to it. I love flavor, which I'm gonna share something with you guys later when we're done. Like barbecue? Oh god! Wall of flashing steel. As a reaction, when you are hit by a melee weapon attack, you can spend two prowess to attack with a finesse weapon. If the result of your attack roll exceeds your AC, use the attack roll in place of your AC until the start of your next turn. This can cause the triggering attack to miss. In case you couldn't figure that out on your own. <laughs> <laughs> This is almost like a, uh, Aha! <laughs> like a, uh, it turns it into a contested check, right? Yep. That's well, basically what that is. Well, it's not like a contested check since you're going against your own AC, but yeah. Yeah, that, this is really cool. That's I a like very, this a lot. yeah, it's a, I, I agree, I agree. This is really cool because to me, this is almost a new mechanic. Like yeah, I, I haven't, haven't seen anything like this. Yeah, either have I. So I think I that that's like really cool. Battlemaster might have something similar, but don't quote me on that. Um, Sam mentions the shield spell, but that's just a flat bonus to your AC. This one requires you to roll an attack roll and exceed your own AC. And if you exceed your AC with that attack roll, that becomes your AC until wow. the start of your next turn, which means that the attack that hit you would miss anyway. So I can see where it kind of is similar to shield, but I like that the, the, it's not just here's increase it by this much is you still have a chance of failure, quite a big chance yeah. actually, right? But there is the hope that you might be able to defend yourself. And I think that's like a last minute, you know, like something in an anime where the somebody does something and it stops a blade like an inch before it like connects or something <laughs> or catches it between their fingers. That's a good example. I like that. I'm envisioning like you use your reaction to attack. You get a you get an attack, and I'm envisioning like you're using the momentum from the swing of that attack to like parry stuff around you, um, or even that you're moving so fast, like with this flashing steel. Mm -hmm. You're even moving so fast that it's harder to hit you for that short period of time. Yeah, I almost envision like a, like a, a short-term sword lock or saber lock or whatever you want to call it, right? 
where yeah. they go to attack you and you bring up your blade and you catch it and you're both fighting back and forth and this is your opportunity to, like you said to redirect the blow like in it like i'm gonna use animex that's one of the things i watch a shit ton of as they're, they're you're blocking that shit and you redirect it and you wave it over your hand and their blade slams into the ground next to your to the side but if you roll too low, they overcome your strength, push you out of the way, and, you know, gut you like a fish. How do you guys... I know uh, Ian mentioned the, the catching the blade between the fingers. That was a pretty nice one. What about you, Brandon? I think that once they make the attack, it's kind of a parry like what you were saying. But as you knock the blade out, you're coming back and you're reposting. You're attacking back. Because it says that you are making a, uh, an attack roll with a finesse weapon. Yeah. So you are technically hitting them back, aren't you? Well, you're hitting their weapon, at least, to deflect it. Yeah, you're making an attack roll on them. But you're not damaging them either. And you're actually technically making an attack roll against yourself. Against, against your own AC. And if you beat your AC, that's your new AC for a turn. It does sound like it's an attack in and of itself. Yes. You're using your, your yeah. reaction to attack, and then that can land, and you can do damage. And, uh, but then, if your attack was higher than your AC, that's your AC for a turn, which is awesome. Now, I don't think you're necessarily... A you're not attacking your opponent. You're not going to damage your opponent with this. I think this is... I, I, I actually agree with Ian. Wow, that never happened. No. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Ian here because I think it's saying you make an attack. This is one of those things where verbiage yeah. is, is not making the capital A attack, yeah. but you're making an attack roll. Yeah. Um, and if you beat your own AC, that's... That's basically your... your that you're make, basically, your AC is your DC for success. Yeah. I think that's how it is. Yep. Um, and because of that, I think that they've, I think they've created a new combat mechanic with this, um, which kind of reminds me of, uh, in, I think in the DMG they have something similar that's like a uh, defending AC where you, the, the players roll their own defenses or something like that, and that's kind of what that reminds me of. Um, but in either case, I think this is awesome. Uh, it reminds me, uh, you talked about the hitting, the, maybe hitting clashing weapons. Yeah. In... in uh, Sword Art Online, Kurito likes to, like, attack the enemy's weapons and, like, affect their durability. So I can see it being more one of those. I'm not blocking your weapon. I'm going after your weapon with an assault. So and Sam says if surrounded by enemies can be very powerful, especially taking uh, dodge as a bonus action. Oh, hell yeah, dude. That's baller. Ooh. But it's a reaction, so you can only do it once per round. But, but you still maintain your AC throughout. The oh, snap. Yeah. So I guess that's where they're going with the wall of flashing steel. Like in, like, uh, like, uh, in Bleach, uh, fucking Ichigo just goes and swings his thing just in all directions. <laughs> and nothing can penetrate this fucking blender of sword swinging. That, <laughs> that to me, the, the note he just made just made me think of a JoJo's Bizarre Adventures instead. Yes. Where they do the same thing with their punches. They're just, uh, you know. I need to watch The last on the list is witty repartee. As a reaction after... Oh, I'm going to do a French accent. This will be fun. Witty repartee. As a reaction after a creature you can see makes an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. But before a success or failure is revealed, you can spend two prowess to encourage or mock your creature. If the creature can hear you, roll a d4. The result is added to or subtracted from the creature's attack roll. Your choice. Oh. <laughs> you beat me too. I was going to go, oh, oh, oh. You have to teach me how to do that. I cannot do the French accent. Really? At all. No, I can't. So Sam says this is kind of like a low-level bardic inspiration or cutting words. Um, I agree. I would say it's more 
even more so similar to like um, an attack roll combined with uh, vicious mockery. I parry a blow with me a bunch of bread. <laughs> When you're engaged in combat with this this enemy and you're insulting the size of their weapon, or you hit, give me a give me a French accent insult, would you there, Camden? Um, <laughs> you hit like you come from Switzerland. I don't know. That was terrible. I'm and not French. I don't know what. No, know. what what is the French? The French wasn't the bad part. Your joke was terrible. Your insult was yeah. awful. We're not trying to. We're not. We're not. Actually, the assets uh, are pretty behave. That's why people don't mess with them. That's why they're glad they're neutral. <laughs> you you, you kind of remind me. Uh, uh, one of our patrons, Troy, sent me a uh, a character idea of uh, a dad jokes bard or a bad dad joke. That's what that reminds me of. You just tried to insult the guy. And it was so bad they just face palmed. <laughs> we're, we're not trying to hop on the I hate France bandwagon. I mean, we tried to jump on, but it was full. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, we're fucking never gonna get through this shit, you guys. Come on. Um, I think this is awesome. We're just kidding, we're just kidding. I think this is awesome. And anytime you can do witty banter back and forth with the the uh <laughs> the enemies, it's glorious, especially if your DM reciprocates it. Um I have a little sheet that I print off that's insults for in stuff for my, my NPCs and this really, really is awesome for that. Sam's <laughs> message says he's just imagining a party of three of these rogues against a high-level fighter or monster, where one of them disarms the opponent, and two of the of two of them uh, use the reaction to witty repartee. Rep, is it repartee? Repartee. Yeah. Uh, two, two of them uh, re- use a reaction to do a witty repartee, repartee to take the save down, uh, so it succeeds. It's a powerful combo and can be repeated per turn till they are out of. Assailants or out of prowess points. <laughs> Whichever comes first. Look at the Americans over there. They think they're so cool with their hot dogs and their hamburgers and their deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, if we got any people from France. Uh, Honestly, I'm, getting, I, I'm, I'm not sorry because that's funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting all my jokes from Christopher Titus. <laughs> I love Christopher so Titus. So you can blame him. <laughs> um, yeah, we're the world's joke right now. So it's, true. it's okay. <laughs> why does the uh, French Navy have glass? Why does the new French Navy have glassbound boats? So they can find their old battleships. <laughs> <laughs> is that the answer? Actually, the answer is so they can sail around the old French Navy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, I, hey, hey. Why, why do Norwegian battleships have barcodes on them? Why? So when they come in the port, they can Scandinavian. <laughs> 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 oh my god. I thought it was basic about an IKEA, but okay. <laughs> I gotta oh work tonight. Oh. oh shit, guys! I really want to play a French rogue now. <laughs> oh my god! So that'll do it for our main topic today: our class analysis on the Midgard Heroes Handbook's Rogue Duelist. Uh, we want to give a shout out to uh, Wolfgang Bauer. Thank you very much for allowing us to walk through your awesome class definitely check it out there's a link in our show notes there'll be a link on our tool page or you can just go to coboldpress.com uh, and search their store for it before we move on to our fourth and f- our, our final segment our honor tips and tricks segment we have one more gift to give away compliments of lore smith each episode we will draw another lucky subscriber's name and they will win the best-selling adventure the claws of madness compliments of lore smith Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. 
They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Brandon, who's our winner today? Uh, our winner is uh, J.D. Butler, 29. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside You gotta take a stand, it don't Congratulations, oh. Congratulations, J.D. Butler, 29. If you enjoy the adventure, please head on over to loresmith.com and leave him a review. Let him know what you like, <laughs> what you didn't like, and help him improve his product moving forward. Now we're going to move on to our next segment, which is segment four, our unearthed tips and tricks, <laughs> where we give you creative content for your next adventure. And first up is our character concept. The lost loved one. You were young, but a child, and the last of your family has died, mother, father, or siblings. In your despair, you have turned to forbidden magics in an attempt to bring them back. But due to your inexperience, something went wrong. Like maybe catching an arm and a leg? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so your going. brother? Maybe you make a mistake, or maybe it's divine punishment for walking the path of the gods. In either case, whatever it was that you brought back, it was not your loved one. It sounds familiar. This is, this is yeah, that's straight from that. <laughs> straight from what? Oh, yeah, I watched a couple episodes of it the other day <laughs> when I was writing show notes. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, turns out we haven't done this one. Uh, I really like this. I think this is a great opener for a necromancer or uh, a, a, a cleric. I think it fits really well. Um, what do you What do you think, Camden? Uh, I'm thinking fiend warlock. Ooh, or, or, uh, or great, great old one. I, oh my, my gosh! My mind went warlock before. Um, Necromancer or uh, alchemist or cleric. Uh, <laughs> they raise something like the fuck is that? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a really simple background, but I think it can add a lot of uh, character development, um, especially if you, 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 is your goal to still try to bring back your your loved one, or if like in Full Metal Alchemist, is there permanent damage to your body? Um, are you trying to recover from that? Personally, I would put a flaw and tie it to this failure in some way, shape, or form. Um, whether it's a physical com- abnormality, um, a scar, a missing limb, uh, <laughs> maybe half my skin's changed another color, I don't know. Um, I, I really like the idea of the, the pe- making a pact with a warlock because that, that, that could be considered a type of forbidden magic, right? Um, making a, a, a pact with a demon or something like that. So, um, well, Sam says a grave cleric. Ooh, a grave cleric would be a good one. Is that a real thing? Oh, yeah. It is. It is. That sounds fun. Crud! I got something to demon! Add some of the lemon. I hate cursive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really like this character concept. Obviously, we all know who Ed and Al is. I think that what's interesting is this could be a really good character for the the um, the type of player who likes to ride the morally gray areas. Because if you're willing to go through to forbidden magic or make packs with demons. What other links are you going to do to try to accomplish your goal? Now, in this one, this character isn't bad, right? Wanting to bring back your loved one isn't a, a big deal. But the big thing is, is what they brought back. Is that thing still out there? Is it running around? Um, did they have to slay it? Um, is it their minion or something? You know, I think there's a lot of role play opportunity here. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Oh yeah. Is there anything that you would add to it? I would say everything that it leaves open is like is flavor specific to what class you would take mechanically yeah i I agree 100 percent. with like what you brought back that isn't your loved one would wholly depend on what kind of magic you got involved in 
So I agree. That'll do it for our character concept of the podcast. Camden, would you like to take our monster variant? Of course. Uh, this week's monster variant is <laughs> <What> the fuck <laughs> pummeling pudding. Forgot about that. Based on the uh, gelatinous cube with an extra feature called pummeling punch as a reaction when a creature escapes, the ooze is engulf or provokes an opportunity attack. The ooze can use its reaction to make a melee weapon attack plus five to hit, and it can only hit one target for a d6 plus three bludgeoning damage. Subsequently, if the, the attack hits, the target must make a dc12 constitution save or be incapacitated until the end of its next turn ouch first of all who all knows exactly what a gelatinous cube is if you play yes. D, you know what a gelatinous cube is bet you brandon doesn't it's a gelatinous cube thanks for clearing that up um <laughs> so the big thing about this creature is that when it engulfs you it does damage right and it you know it can suffocate you and all that that jazz the fact that when you try to escape this thing basically gets a free opportunity to pummel you in the face and incapacitate you get so you here. can't get out. Get back here. This changes the encounter up to the point where your getting out is almost always going to be reliant on your team to do so. Instead of trying to save yourself like a normal gelatinous cube, you can try to crawl out. This encounter is designed so that it relies more on your your survival relies more on your team than yourself. What do you guys think about that? I think in some cases people are just fucked. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Camden? I think this is a cool mechanic. I'm envisioning like and like this enhanced ooze that was enhanced by something, you know, whether like whether it be crazy wizards or illicit or some like higher intelligent creature that would have operated on an ooze mm -hmm. to make it like this, similar with like the Oblex and other varieties of mm -hmm. oozes. I'm envisioning like when its uh, pseudopod comes out and hits you, it like I'm, I'm envisioning flavoring it as if the pseudopod like hardens as it outstretches so that it's not just like whapping at you with like the actual slimy stuff but it actually hardens as it hits you flavoring it like that would be really cool yeah um and that's kind of what i was going for i wanted anybody that knows me i knows that i like to try to build encounters that have unique features in them that challenge the traditional combat processes the team's goal is to not only avoid being engulfed but to have to pull and take damage themselves while they're trying to pull out their, their allies and help them out because otherwise they're going to get stuck and trapped and it's, it's going to suck. I'd probably put this so, in some higher... Is this like a sentient being or is it kind of like a jellyfish? It's a giant cube of jello that has like made of acid and shit. So yeah, I told J you I didn't know what it was. It's like, it's, it's, like a, it's like a jellyfish. That's a good analogy. Except they're not in water and it's a cube. Oh. It, it's okay. an acidic cube. That'll melt your face and your armor. But why did you call it pummeling pudding? <laughs> <laughs> why not? Isn't one of the oozes a pudding? Yeah, it's black pudding. Yeah, black pudding is, a, is an ooze. So, would you like some dessert? Sure. And it went. It went with the. It went with the feature. Do you got a problem with it? You know, so yeah. it's exactly like a jellyfish. Its intelligence and its charisma are both one. <laughs> Garbage. Which is uh. a negative five modifier. So that's actually a really good analogy. Yeah. Anyways, I really like this. Uh, this monster. Can somebody do a uh, a uh, a Jello commercial voice? I just from, did. Uh, what's his name? Bill Cosby. Yeah. Bill Cosby. <laughs> can you do me a Bill Cosby uh, close? That's I can do a Bill Cosby. Here's the thing with the Jello pudding. <laughs> Here's the thing with the bubbling pudding. You try to get out of it, and then boom, and then bibbity bobbity, and on the ground, and you get the eyes of Roman. <laughs> so that'll do it for our monster variant, Fucking the pummeling pudding. <laughs> 
Our encounter of the podcast is the Anti-Magic Cult. Um, this is a this encounter, uh, which could expand beyond a single encounter, um, is based on a group of religious zealots who hunt down and confiscate magical artifacts from heretics. They believe that magical items belong to the realm of the gods, and no mortals should possess them. They claim that their god has tasked them with destroying powerful magical artifacts. So there's a lot of different ways this can go. Bam! No one expects the Spanish Inquisition! <laughs> um, this can go a lot of different ways. Uh, I'm in the middle of developing a, uh, a, an encounter with this sort of thing. And now in 5e, magical items aren't as common as they are in other settings in general. Um, and so it's not out of the realm of possibilities that the players would be hunted down and stolen their, their items stolen by somebody who is following this sort of cult. Now you could it could they could be a, a, a glorious deity who maybe that's what they're sending, or maybe it could be a bad deity who wants them to hoard these items and they're not actually being destroyed. But in the end, um my at least when I'm running this, the plan is that they're not actually bad people. They think what they're doing is right, and when they approach the the players, how would your how would you guys as players respond to running into a uh, running into a group who verbally assaults you, saying how you're a heretic and you're against you know what you possess is you know power of the gods and you shouldn't own it and and we're gonna take it from you. But Bahamut gave this to me. Give me a uh, persuasion check. No <laughs> way to do it. Or you could be like, well, let's see how the weapons of the gods feel. Come here. Well, if you're a Dragonborn Paladin, that actually might be a legitimate argument. Um, uh, Sam actually makes a great point. This could be a really good explanation of why it's such a low magic setting. Because this cult has been running around destroying all these items uh, in the process. So now your players are being hunted by it. Camden, what do you think about something like this? I, I think this is really cool. I, what comes to mind immediately are like the anti-bender people in Legend of Korra. Uh-huh. I don't know how much of that you guys watched. All of it. Um, all of it. Zero. Yeah. But like people, people think about like deviant uh, forms of magic and like hunting bad magic down. But a lot of people don't think about if, if your party were pursued because they were magic, and there are people out there who don't want magic and think magic is you know evil. Um, it's not not something I think about a lot, and I'm sure not a lot of other people do. So this is a really yeah. cool idea. And that that's actually a really good example. Um, I know in uh, the series God's Fall, if you haven't listened to it, it's really great. Um, some of the toppest quality production material for any D&D podcast. And they had, they, you know, they ran into some people that were similar to that where, you know, that they, they confiscate all this magical power and they're taking it from, you know, the players because that's not something that they should possess. Um, and there's more to it, and I'm not going to say more or spoil anything, but... Um, it's a very interesting encounter, especially if they think they're doing good. Joam says a good villain knows he's bad, or doing wrong. A great villain believes he must do wrong to make the world right. To make the world right. Um, Thanos. And this, <laughs> nice snap. Um, and I think this encounter can do that because, as the DM, it's going to be your job to rationalize why the players need to give up their stuff. And if you do a good enough job, some players might do it. And I think that makes it more interesting. I also think that as they start to collect more and more, this group even gets more aggressive in trying to take their stuff. Um, and it creates this, they're always on the run from these people. Um, and maybe they have special items that create magical, anti-magical zones. Um, so that wait, allows drew, them to capture people who have magical wait, items. Wait a second, aren't you using a magical item against me? Shut up! 
Also, take the player's favorite shop vendor and string them up with the cults for public execution to allow the players the chance to save them. Ooh, timed them directly to the, the events. Maybe they stumble across it on accident, and now the guy they, they've built a good relationship with is on the chopping block because he's a heretic for dealing with in um, sharing and in, 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 in getting these, spreading these magical artifacts around. I like that very much. I like a little bit more. Moral ambiguity when neither side is necessarily wrong. Yes. <laughs> kind of like the uh, mages and the Templars in the Dragon Age. Right. Yes. That's a really good example, too. It's like, um, both sides are kind of right, but both sides are also kind of dicks about it. So, know <laughs> <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast. Our magic item of the podcast comes to us from Samantha G. It's the Grave Digger Shovel. Oh, yeah. The Grave Digger Shovel. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I love my grave digging. Good profession. When you place a shovel in the dirt and speak the command word, a grave the size to fit a medium creature appears. Oh, yeah. Nothing like good dirt. The dirt disappears entirely, granting the shovel one charge. Oh, yeah. The shovel can store a mix of three charges. And, as an action, when you hit a creature with a shovel with a melee weapon attack, you can choose to speak the command word. And if you do, the pile of dirt... Becomes the a pile of dirt. The equipment says that was removed from the hole is poured onto the target. The target now grappled. <laughs> the creature can use this action to make a DC 13 strength athletics check. So what do you guys think about this? Come here, ping! <laughs> <laughs> what the hell just happened? Joan wants yeah, this for Harmon's his grave cleric. Go ahead, Cameron. <sighs> this, uh, this, the visual is definitely really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I was getting at. I really think this is great because how <laughs> how hilarious would it be for the how many things could you see the players coming up with using this gravedigger shovel for aside from grave digging? <laughs> Being able to get a higher advantage on uh, we need to get to that that ledge right there. Well, it's too high to jump to. We don't have any rope. Now we have some dirt. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so you just big pile of dirt. We need to dig 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 on, on the moat to get to the castle. Oh, digging a moat. That'd be interesting. No, no, digging under a moat. Oh. Even making a moat would be like months faster if you're just... (laughs) (laughs) Camden, what do you think, buddy? I'm trying to come up with a cool visual for this. I'm envisioning, like, the the way this text is written. I'm, you know, it's just, it's implied that you just ding and... (laughs) I think that's that's what's happening. Um. But like what I'm envisioning is what would be what would be especially cool is if when you make the melee attack, what actually happens is whatever magic that this thing is imbued with, it actually like softens the dirt, it softens the ground under your target, and it acts like really fast, like quicksand, and they sink and oh. they're con- and they're considered they're considered grappled but not like prone. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah, I just like, like that. Make, making a little bit more sense of the flavor there, but oh, just I envision so, like uh, so the pile of dirt slapping under legs. And yeah, do you ever watch uh, what is it the uh, the old uh, Back to the Futures where the, the 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 bully gets like a pile of horse manure on him? I kind of envision something every like movie. That. Like uh, he holds it out like a gun and it just spews dirt until they're like covered up to their waist and can't move. Um, I, I got uh, two things. First, first off, it, it would be really hard to get out of this because uh, the other month I went to, I think it was called Planet A. It's a trampoline park over in Flint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
when you fall into the pit, they're just these big old square squishy cubes or whatever, and it's hard just to be able to get out of that shit. <laughs> because I fell into it, and like 10 minutes later, I finally get out, and the load is only five feet away. <laughs> but uh, I got out of there, and that was nice. So, the DC-13, oh, what kind of a check is that? Is that a little less than medium? I'd, I'd bring it up to 15. That's I know a high-level DC, though. Fine, 14, because I know it's hard. That's still high. And but secondly, you're also not a strength 18 barbarian. Yeah. Can it only be specific? <laughs> even a strength than human. <laughs> Guess the darkest side of my ass. Uh, That's no moon. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, is it only limited to dirt? It specifically says dirt. Otherwise, you're just going to dig holes through entire castles and shit. Dirt. And like, you know, I mean, I assume it specifically is meant for dirt and earth. And earth. So if you put it in magma, could you get... Uh, magma Look at that! He's already trying to fucking break shit. Shut the hell up. <laughs> Liquid hot magma. Um, I really. You said Earth. I really like this idea. <laughs> I think this is really cool. I think it really goes great with some characters' um archetypes, whether it's the grave cleric or a necromancer, you know, anything along those lines. And I just think it would be hilarious to stumble across a random person in the middle of a no no name village that has a magical item that just digs holes. <laughs> that's like all it does it just it digs a hole um dig a hole dig a hole thank you uh, i love me digging holes thank you samantha for your submission um this is a really neat item and i really want to just pile these guys full of dirt right now camden would you like to take our dm tip surely our dungeon master tip of this week is give conflicting quests you can present quests that conflict with each other or with the character's alignments or goals. The players have the freedom to make choices about which quests to accept, and these can be great opportunities for role-playing and character development. My, uh, my roommate Sam is actually doing this right now with, our, uh, with, with, with his campaign that he homebrewed. Would you like to tell he, us about it? Our, our um, party was actually sent into a town, and we were told to speak with the captain of the militia of the town to scope out some stuff. And that involved uh, following a thieves' guild into the sewer. And we were actually captured by the thieves' guild and forced to work with the thieves' guild to accomplish some of their stuff. So we are, we're two-timing. Big. Well, that's awesome. Welcome to Riften. <laughs> yeah. I really like this. And once again, stuff like this encourages the characters to make choices and to be able to see how their choices influence the world around them. Uh, especially when... You know, you have scenarios where a character, the, what the character needs to do isn't something that they would normally do, but they're put into a situation where it's the best option available to them, and they have mm. to rationalize that. Or in some cases, it might be just a simple thing of, okay, which guild faction whatever do we want to curry favor to? So in either case, adding conflicting quests is a, a great way to build roleplay and character, or to have character and roleplay development to flush out who the characters are and what their motivations are. I really, I always go back to the old, uh, I need you guys to either go rescue the village that's burning down or go stop the onslaught of kobolds on the other village. If you go save one village, the other village is going to die, you know, and, and, hmm. and scenarios like that where, okay, we're going to go help the burning village. Well, now that other village doesn't exist or because most of them were stabbed and, and murdered, you know, that would be a hard choice for any, any hero, right? There, is there really? You can split the party, but then do both fail? Or do both partially succeed, you know? So putting quests that challenge those, you know, alignment, their alignments and their goals and 
See how the watch the players squirm. I like to watch them squirm. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for our dungeon master tip. Our player tip of the podcast is don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by listening to Patron Durzo uh, via Discord. He says, "Don't laugh at players for speaking in their character voice. Role playing a character when you're shy and embarrassed is hard enough. Yep. Never put someone down." for using their character's voice or even mannerisms. Additionally, if they like to dress up, encourage the behavior and maybe even give it a shot yourself. Who knows? You might like it. I don't know why this came up so much so much recent more recent than why I haven't thought about it before. Um I guess I've never con- I mean my friends make fun of me all the time so maybe it's just never been a thing. <laughs> I just assume I'm going to get made fun of. Um but you know, role playing is a social experience we're all supposed to have fun. And just because you're the the combat lover who doesn't want to change their voice or change how they behave, don't pick and and, and judge others. Um, you know, he says it really. It's hard enough to get into that as it is. You being a dickhead about it isn't helping nothing. Now, obviously, if you're that type of personing and you're listening to this podcast, you suck um, and don't deserve friends. <laughs> They might like you too much to, to kick you out, but I would I would I'd, I'd chop that shit off like fucking I'd get rid of your ass. But anyways, um, the point is is everyone's there to have a good time, even if it's not something that interests you. Don't nitpick at other people. Try to be cool about it. I would give this a caveat that this would totally apply. He he gives in there if you are a more shy, introverted person at the table. You know it is, it, and that is something that's hard for you, and you're just trying to get into your <laughs> character. That is some, someone you would not want to laugh at and not want to poke fun at. Oftentimes, if you have more extroverted people at your table, they are more likely going to be playing characters and voices that they kind of intend to be funny in a way. Mm-hmm. And those people are going to want you to laugh at them totally. But oh, yeah, for sure. And Yeah. In the case that it's, you know, a more shy, introverted person who, you know, maybe this is like their first time doing any sort of acting ever. Right. Definitely, you know maintain a positive atmosphere for them yeah and encourage it i mean um that's what D is about i mean if you don't want to be like that read a book <laughs> get the fuck out of it. <laughs> you know you'll read a book by yourself man you can you can have all the voices in your head and not insult people it's been a while since we actually had a player tip that wasn't actually about somebody being an actual dick <laughs> um don't be a dick <laughs> that is our player tip of the podcast don't, Don't be a dick. dick. Don't you mean? Seriously, cut that from uh, your, our recording so I can use it as my notifications on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So that'll do it for our show today. Before we close out, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments yeah. of Jeff Stevens. It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, Exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. 
Matias. Who's our winner today? Our winner for today from Jeff Stevens is Anderson Scotty. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside You gotta take a stand, it don't hurt to hide. So that'll do it for our show today. Um, please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing... <laughs> The Midgar's Heroes Handbooks, Wizard Archetypes. Woohoo! Um, haven't decided on which archetype yet, so I'll figure that out. But uh, we're really excited for that. That'll probably close out our Midgard Heroes class analysis stuff, and we'll move on to a new topic. Um, if you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you would like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com or find us on Twitter or Facebook at Crit Academy. We're desperate. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or, their, or your platform of choice. Or just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show. Also, be sure to give us a like and a share. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our show. Uh, you just give us your email address at critacademy.com. We only use that about twice a year, if that. Um, and that enters you to win any of our three prizes every single week. Um, and it's f- completely free. You don't have to be a patron to do that. Just sign up for the email list on our website. Again, that's criticacademy.com uh, so we can help you on your future adventures. You'll also find links to our fellowships on the website. Uh, we've got D&D Character Lab, Interparty Conflicts. They're all uh, really dope dudes doing really cool <laughs> D&D things dudes. just like us here. <laughs> um, they have bigger vocabularies than Justin does, so please... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Definitely uh, <laughs> check out our website, all the, all, of our, all the resources that we refer to, and um, the opportunity to sign up for our mailing list is there for you. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Camden. Keep your, your blade sharp, sharp and spells prepared, prepared, heroes! heroes.